Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about the final episodes of NBC's The Good Place. (laughs) Right in the heart. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she fell into a swamp trying to spray paint a Taco Bell logo on a snapping turtle. It's my sister, Marissa. It was messed up even for Florida. I, one of the many points at which I laughed out loud in this episode. (laughs) Absolutely. So we are going to get into the recap for this week's episode. Uh, We're at the final, final few episodes left of the season uh, and of the series, which is, uh, I think we're going to have some feels about that, but we've got a recap for the episode You've Changed Man in a Moment. We want to uh, just have a little housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us. I mean, I know we're, like, coming into the home stretch, <laughs> but if you have any, like, farewell messages you want to send us over iTunes, we'd love it. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. You can reach us at Twitter, at The Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com and... Speaking of our Twitter feed, we have exclusive Good Play content. Uh, We have exclusive content from the director of this week's episode coming to you at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. That's a forward promotion. Excited about that. Uh, You know what I'm a little sad about? What? That we can't recap the fight the last five minutes of the fighting temptations because it switched times i know i was gonna say like i am sorry to disappoint you all but this the show that was on before this one is superstore which is a show too boring to recap the last five minutes of and the show that comes on right after is will and grace which oh i'm i'm not i'm not watching the first five minutes of that for anybody or anything so uh i am I'm sorry to have to tell everybody that the Fighting Temptations cast, the podcast within a podcast, is canceled. It's canceled. <laughs> Aww. Pour one out for our friends in the church choir. Pour one out for Bradley uh, Whitford. Anna, Anna Camp, Bradley Whitford, and a host of D-listers. Sorry, Although you guys. know what I You know what I did see a promo for? also on NBC that I made me think of our conversation about the fighting temptations is there's a new show that's also a musical and uh, it stars funnily enough Anna Camp's real life husband who was also in Pitch Perfect how could you possibly know who Anna Camp's real life husband is because I love him and so when they got married I was like well she's gorgeous so of course but I love you it's I forget what it's called, but it's a a musical sitcom where a girl, like a young woman, uh, wakes up with the ability to. Oh, hear that she married that guy. Yeah, she married that guy. So she was married first to some guy I've never heard of, and then oh, you know she's divorced from him. What? Skylar Aston. The marriage is listed as being 2016 to 2019. No. Yeah, they filed for. Di- oh, well- 
he's she filed for divorce last <laughs> April. Oh, yeah. She, he's back on the market. You should definitely get on that. Ooh, okay. Skylar Aston. That's a name. Yes. But he, she can read people's innermost thoughts, but they're all in song. It seems very strange. Seems very strange. But it seems like another one of those grabs to make money off of the soundtrack. Like, licensed music soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, please stop me. I clicked on a garbage article about why they broke up. Oh, no. Garbage. Why did they break up? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's making me scroll a really long way. I I feel like you just clicked onto the gossip toilet. Wasn't that John's blog? I did. Ooh. October 2018, he had stopped wearing his wedding ring. Ooh. Irreconcilable differences. Uh, no further details. Are you kidding me? You just made me scroll down like 50 pages. The headline was new details why he's divorcing Anna Camp. Forget it. Gossip toilet, you're dead to me. <laughs> Another deuce for the gossip toilet. Anyway. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so... How, do you want to just tackle this recap like normal? Do you have anything to say up front? Yeah. Or do you want to just dive in? No, um, I've also got a couple. Don't let me forget. I've got a couple uh, Twitter DMs that I want to kind of put right. into the feedback section. Cool, cool, cool. So the episode is called You've Changed, Man, which turns out to be something that Jason says to Sean, and it's completely <laughs> apropos of nothing. <laughs> you think it's going to be about Cheaty. It's not. <laughs> well, it's kind of about Cheaty. And it's about Sean in a different way. Yeah, that's fair. So there's sort of the backdrop of this whole episode is um, our Janet and Judge Jen. Judge Jen! (laughs) Traversing all of the different Janet voids looking for the humanity ending clicker. Mm -hmm. So you kind of cut in between like the team cockroach and the the two, you know, Janet and Jen looking for the clicker. I mean, Janet's not looking for it. Janet knows where it is. <laughs> Janet is trying to distract Jen from her work of looking for the clicker. But that's sort of that's how this episode is edited. It's sort of a uh, back and forth between those two groups. Mm-hmm. So I think they they first go to a neutral Janet void, which is just <laughs> like, like beige. beige. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't find the clicker, so she leaves and she marbleizes Neutral Janet. She asks Neutral Janet if she has any final words, and Neutral Janet is like, these are final words, final words, right? <laughs> Neutralizes her. <laughs> it's amazing to me that Neutral Janet formed enough of, of an opinion to believe that humanity shouldn't be vaporized. That's true. So, Chidi's awake, you know, so let's leave Jen and Janet alone for a little bit. Chidi's can we, awake. Wait, before we before we go to Chidi, can we just say that okay. when Janet is like asking Jen, like, please don't cancel Earth, she's like reminding her of all these human achievements. And Jen had been talking about watching, like, uh, binge watching Justified and Deadwood too, and Deadwood. And uh, she's like, think about all the things that you'd be like, you know, clicking out of existence, like Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> and Jen is like, don't even say that to me. <laughs> Which, you know, is a little uh, teaser for later on. <laughs> anyway. Right. So we know that Judge Jen has a a, a very soft spot for uh, mature foxy men like Mark <laughs> Harmon. She has yes. made this perfectly clear in the past. And so she has a real uh, 
Ooh, I'm not gonna say the thing I was just gonna say. She has a <laughs> a real soft a real... spot for that uh, sure. Tim Oliphant. Yes. So they're like Team Cockroach is like scrambling. You know how are we gonna save humanity? And Eleanor's like, okay, before we get started, though, it's a, it's a cheaty. She just says, okay, before we get started on this whole like the saving humanity thing, like I just want to check in to see like how you and I are doing. And Chidi's like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I love you. And Eleanor's like, what, what? I and she's like that so much. I know. I love all the Eleanor stuff in this episode. It's incredible. But he's just like, yeah. I mean, I just had like a thousand years worth of my existence, kind of folded up and stuffed into my uh, personality, and I had to integrate it all. So like, everything's a lot. You get a lot of clarity, and Michael's kind of like, you saw the time knife, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, I saw the time knife. (laughs) So Eleanor's just like, oh, okay, well, uh, this is surprising, but it's also arousing. (laughs) There's a couple of moments in this episode where one or the other of them goes like, hey, you want to get out of here? And the other one's like, no, 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 we can't. Like, (laughs) like, yes, but no. (laughs) So Chidi's like, okay, as long as we've got this sewn up, you know, he turns to the Janets and he's like, I need a chalkboard. Uh, this very specific philosophy book. Do you remember what it was called? Ju- it was by Judith Schlar, and it's something it sounds about right. cruelty. I don't yes. remember what it was called. What we cruel to each other. No, I have no idea. What is it? <laughs> something about... <laughs> And he also asks for warm pretzels because he says if he's going to die, he's going to die with like a belly full of warm pretzels. And I was like, I knew you were my husband, Chidi. Chidi, we're meant to be, Chidi. Come to me. I think you're going to have to fight Eleanor for that one. I know. But like Brianna and I are from the Philly, the greater Philly area, which means that we were stuffed full of soft pretzels at every opportunity. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like. Do you remember in elementary school how the they had the fundraiser every week? You would sell, you'd get a, it was like 25 cents for a soft pretzel or five for a dollar. Remember? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> soft pretzels everywhere. So Chidi is lecturing. He's up in front of the chalkboard lecturing. He, he has roller skates on and they're like, do you have roller skates on? He's like, yeah, Disco Janet gave them to me. <laughs> He's got these like bright pink roller skates on. It's pretty incredible. And he's got the board full of, like, things he's written down, and it's basically, like, how the cruel- the problem with the current system is that the cruelty of the punishment doesn't match, you know, the consequences of the life that was lived. And Eleanor is like, yeah, man, this is a problem of justice! And Chidi just, like, roller skates over to her and plants the most amazing kiss, like, right on her. And I was like, alright, I'm dead. I- I I died. Someone else is going to have to take up live tweeting for this. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was great. And he says something like, it's just so, you know, it's so sexy to hear you talk about, like, justice there or whatever. And he's like, you want to get out of here? And she's like, yeah, I, no, we have to save humanity. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, this is the kind of stuff that makes me just hope that, like, whatever the ending looks like, that they are just left alone Alone. to be together i know just like please leave them be please yeah seriously please let the two of them just have it can be a medium place that's fine just let them have a little corner of the sky where they just get to hang out and read books together forever please please yeah 
they're Janet and Jen are going to a bad Janet's void, which um, has terrible music playing. I forget what it was. It wasn't tub thumping. It was something like about at that level, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was and Savage like, Garden. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, like tire fires and like rusty pickup trucks and a billboard for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. And Janet's trying to reason with Jen, and Jen's not having it. And Jen kind of says something to the cockroaches about, like, you know, I can't wait to get rid of all of you, like, except you, Cheaty. Like, ooh, you come with me anytime or whatever. And Jason thinks that Cheaty should hook up with the judge in order to get them out of trouble. <laughs> he says it's called a Jacksonville plea bargain, which, boy, oh Holy boy. moly. <laughs> this is a bleak world you lived in, Jason Mendoza. <laughs> I mean, it explains a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) So Michael and Eleanor are like, hey, look, let's just work with what we've got. Let's just basically compromise and use the materials we have at hand. And just like, you know, give more people a medium place. Like if you're absolutely superb, you get to go to the good place. Although, so this plan doesn't end up working, but it, it it does sort of raise the question of like, well, who actually goes to the good place in this scenario? And if you have like negative point values, like too bad you go to the bad place. But if you're in the broad middle, then you just get to go to a medium place. And like, and Chidi's like, it doesn't really, you know, solve all the problems of cruelty. And and Michael's like, too bad. Like we. <laughs> We've we have very limited time and we have to convince the good and bad place committee. So like well, I mean the bad place committee is just Sean. Yeah. So like let's just like just get out of here and like try to try to get that done. So they go to pitch it to the good place committee. They're the good place committee is sitting around eating frozen yogurt and genuinely loving it because they're a bunch of phoebes. And they're like, okay, we have a proposal. And they're like, we love it. And they're like, you haven't heard it. And the Good Place Committee is just like, you came up with it. We're sure that we love it. And they're like, oh, oh okay. And Eleanor's like, take the win and go. Yeah. I like that Chidi was just like, hey, I'm confident now. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Sean and Sean pretends to go along with it for about five seconds. And then he's like, ha, 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 No. Why would I ever let you win? I would rather. And Michael's just like, you know, you're, you know, we're, you're all going to be out of work, out of work for like billions of years. And Sean's like, I don't care as long as you lose. That's what That's I care very, about. Not um, that I win. Uh, spoilers for episode nine of Star Wars. I guess if you haven't listened to our episode nine podcast episode. Yeah, just skip forward. Just skip forward 30 seconds if you haven't seen uh, Rise of Skywalker starting now. But we have, so we didn't really talk about Hux's character, but Hux's character has a moment where he's like helping the resistance and Poe's or Finn is like, why are you helping us? And he's like, I don't care if you win. I just can't, I don't want Kylo Ren. I need Kylo Ren to lose. So it's very similar energy to me. Like, you know, I don't care if I lose as long as this other guy doesn't win. Right, which didn't make much sense in Rise of Skywalker, but whatever. Let's not go back there. (laughs) And this is when Jason says to Sean, Sean, you used to be cool, but you changed, man. It's like, Jason, (laughs) and everyone just kind of looks at Jason like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, it's funny. Like, I thought that was going to lead somewhere. I thought it was going to be like, we were going to find out that in one of the reboots, Sean was like, confided in Jason or something because Michael had done that 
in a previous iteration, but it didn't really go. No, that Jason's way. just a dingbat. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Jen and uh, our Janet are inside Disco Janet's void, and it's playing "Ring My Bell, Ring My Bell, My Bell, Ring My Bell." <laughs> And she and the, like the two of them are dancing to it, and then Jen's like, "Wait, what was I here for?" And Janet's like, "To dance to the grooves," and she's like, "No." And it was funny because in every Janet void, she goes over to a computer to search for the, and she like type in the search term of like Earth Eraser thingy. In the mm-hmm. good Janet, in the neutral or good Janet void, it's just like a computer. She types it in. In the bad Janet void, it's pretty funny because she goes to the computer and it starts like installing updates. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty hilarious. In Disco Janet, she has to uh, insert a tra- uh, uh, an 8-track tape into an 8-track yeah. tape player to perform the search for the uh, clicker. Uh, and she starts singing, Gonna erase the earth! Erase the earth! <laughs> which she then sings for the rest of the episode. Which yeah. Which is pretty funny. And then when she gets out of that void, she marbleizes Disco Janet, who turns into a little tiny disco ball. Yeah. Which is so great. So cute. So the cockroaches are like, okay, what does Sean want? And Eleanor is like, Sean wants cruelty. And then they go and they offer up themselves, which is very selfless and sacrificing, right? Like, agree to our plan and you can torture the four of us. And Michael's like, you can torture me too. Like, just take us and like, let the rest of our plan, you know, go forward. And Sean's like, how about we? I have what I have now, which is that I get everybody. And the Good Place Committee's like, yeah, that's great. And the cockroaches are like, whose side are you on? Like, what is the matter with you? And finally, Michael's like, fine, like, fork it. Like, if we can't get any buy-in from anybody, let's just actually design something that we think is a, a legitimately good idea instead of just trying to kind of piece something together with the fragments that we have now. And Eleanor's like, great, we have 10 minutes. And Michael gives a rousing speech about how all the versions of themselves that they've been and all the things they've experienced and gone through together are like, have have all led them to this moment. And Eleanor's like, great, we have nine minutes now. And Chidi's (laughs) like, oh, I have an idea. They go back to the judges' chambers. And, you know, I think they are probably spending a little bit of time hashing out this idea. But ultimately, they go into our Janet's void. And our Janet is now the last Janet left. So I guess she had the clicker the whole time? Must have been. Unless they were doing like a hot potato secretly. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Which would have been maybe nice to kind of see out of the corner of your eye or something. You know what I mean? Like for like one Janet to kind of throw it to our Janet while Jen wasn't looking. I don't know. Mm. Um, Because it wasn't... It's not clear to me how our Janet got the clicker because I'm pretty sure Jen went into her void first, right? Yeah, she did. So how did she... Well, it doesn't matter. So Jen goes inside our Janet, and our Janet's like, you guys have to come into my void and talk to the judge there, because, like, that's it. This is the end of the line. And they're like, can you handle that? Because the last time we did that, like, we all turned into Janets. And Janet's like, I have evolved since then, and I think I can handle it. And also, we have no choice. Yeah. And they're like, Jen's not going to listen to us anyway. And Janet's like, I have an idea. So they go into the void. We see Jen alone and she sees a door labeled like clicker destroyer thingy this way. She's like a door in a white void. She opens it up and it's the cockroaches in a 
chalkboard. And Jen's like, ugh, why did I fall for that? And she's about to, like, you know, turn around and walk away. But Janet's like, how about you listen to Timothy Oliphant? And she materializes Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. This was amazing. And I have a costume from Justified. I have a bunch of information about how this happened uh, in the show. Yeah, I read this article too. too. Yeah, but basically, Mike Schur asked for a favor and he did it. And he also talked to the Justified showrunner because he's he's there as Timothy Oliphant, not as his character from Justified, but he's in his Justified costume and. The, the direction he was given was to basically be a like a blending of his real self and his justified character self. <laughs> so Mike Schur kind of talked to the justified showrunner and was like, are you okay with this? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, I love The Good Place. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> God. Mike Schur. Everybody's a fan. Yes. <laughs> so Jen calls Sean in to listen to this. And they pitch... Uh, a new version of the afterlife where everybody, it's basically like uh, uh, Nietzsche's eternal recurrence that Chidi has mentioned in the past. Yeah. Where you have to like relive some version of the afterlife over and over again. That's trying to teach you something very specific until you figure out how to get it right. And you kind of remember between reboots, you remember you have not specific memories, but maybe feelings or something from your from your past reboots. And you have to keep going and going until you get it right. And I think they say, like, some people are never going to get it right. You know, like, some people might be kind of stuck in this. I guess it's essentially limbo, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be stuck there forever, but most people are eventually going to get it right. And then once they do, then they, I guess, go on to the good place, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because... As they're explaining this, the one who's questioning them most is Timothy Oliphant. It's great. <laughs> He's like, now how is that going to work? And they're like, oh, okay, Timothy Oliphant. He's like, you can call me Tim. <laughs> like... <laughs> But he's like, you know, and he's just like interjecting. They're like, whose side are you on? And he's like, I'm a neutral observer here. He, he, he says, I don't have a dog in this fight, little lady. I'm just yeah. aiming for clarity. <laughs> because Sean's, because Sean's whole thing is like, uh, you know, uh, what about me? And what about all my demons? And they're not going to have anything to do and blah, blah, blah. And Sean at one point is like, I mean, what are we going to do with everybody's penises? And and uh, and Chidi's like, leave them no, alone. No, it's, it's Michael. And it's Michael. Michael it's is Michael. like, yeah. uh, like leave Largely them alone. Largely leave them alone. Yes. And, and, and Sean gets like really indignant. It's just like, are you hearing this? Like he turned to yeah. Jen and Timothy Oliphant. And Timothy Oliphant's like, now, I mean, I don't know about that. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. He did such a good job. Like, what a... Yeah, he's basically acting... Amazing... They're, they're acting... Yeah, they're acting... He, uh, Timothy Oliphant specifically is acting like a professor at your thesis defense. Yes. Hilarious. So, you know, Jen is skeptical, but I think it's Jason who's like, look, basically, we're the ones who have tested this. And we've all gotten so much better and, like, we're proof that it can work. Yeah. So they think they might get buy-in. I mean, Jen looks like she could accept it. And for a moment, you think Sean might accept it. And then Sean's like, no, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And they all kind of give up. And Timothy Oliphant whisks away in a cloud of pixels, which is very (laughs) sad. 
And Michael's basically Not like, before, okay, I think... He, he, um, he kisses Jen on the hand before he goes. Oh, yeah, and Jen, like, <laughs> almost overheats and dies, basically, <laughs> at that point. So Michael's like, I have one more trick up my sleeve here, all right, just everybody stay here. So Sean is out in the neighborhood, like, destroying things. Uh, he when when he's called into the chalkboard room, he was about to light a cannon full of puppies, which is mm-hmm. great. So he's in the neighborhood. He's just like, oh, he's peeing into a fountain or whatever. And Michael's like, yeah, eh, you got us, you got us, you you won. And Sean's like, okay, but what's your next play or whatever? And Michael's like, we don't have a next play. Like, you know, you're done. And Sean's like, I'm gonna give my evil speech now. And Michael's like, if you want. And Sean's like, since the dawn of time, evil and good, like, and then he's like, Michael, this isn't any fun if you're not fighting back. And Michael's like, I, I don't have anything to fight back with. Like, I'm, we're done. And Sean's like, but, but, like, fighting with, with you, having you as my nemesis has been the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> I don't yeah. want it to end. And Michael's like, it's hard when things end, buddy. <laughs> which I think you have in the I think you have in the notes here like that's Mike Schur talking to all of us viewers all like, of us yeah. yes yeah and Sean's like you know how it is you know the first thousand times you you know flatten a penis or whatever you know you it's so thrilling but a, then it just becomes routine <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's like the first time you put a corkscrew in someone's eye you're like this is amazing I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this and then you know a million corkscrews <laughs> later <laughs> which is like which is like, he's getting paid to do that? Who's paying them? Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, we never really... <laughs> we never I mean, really sure delved into a, the lives sure of the demons. I'm sure that's just a throwaway line, but still, yeah. like, it was a little... Yeah, anyway. I can't believe I was brought into existence to do this and have another, no other existence. I guess. Anyway. So Michael's like, Sean, listen, I heard your speech at Demon Con. You know this system sucks. It's why you let me try something else in the first place. Why don't you let us try this? And Sean's like, "Mm, grumble mumble. So they go back to the judge's chambers and she's about to destroy Earth. And they're like, wait. And she's like, oh, come on. Just let a girl destroy Earth. And Sean's like, I theoretically agree to this plan. Although, you know, we have some stuff we have to iron out the details or whatever. And... Sort of the little stinger of this episode is that Jason, like, just picks the humanity destroying clicker up off the desk and was kind of tossing it around, like, under his leg. And everyone's like, no! <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> like, freaking out. And that's kind of the end of the episode, huh? Yeah, they, I mean, so they have to, like, actually design Oh, 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 it then and... they all look at Cheaty. Like, we have to design it. They all look at Cheaty, and Cheaty's like, I'm just the ideas man. And then it's, like, cut to black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it. What do we think? I thought it was great. Me too. Me too. I like this system that they've come up with. You know, nothing is going to be perfect, but I mean, I have said before like a thousand times and I'm sorry to bore everybody, but like there is nothing you can do on earth that is bad enough to justify, to justify an eternity of cruel punishment. Like it's just the math doesn't work out especially when no matter what you did to somebody on earth which might be the most horrible thing you can think of that person is also going to have a soul that exists for eternity and so whatever they suffered through on earth is 
a vanishingly small percentage of their like eternal existence, right? So no matter what harms you did on Earth, ultimately, it, you know, an eternity of punishment doesn't make sense. And it seems like nobody's going to get an eternity of punishment. Like, punishment is not even really going to be a thing anymore. It's just like... You're going to have to learn from your mistakes. We're going to force you to learn from your mistakes over and over and over and over. And like, that's Which about I, as humane as you can get, I think. Yeah, I mean, and it and it's sort of, um, you know, something we haven't talked about in a while that I'm just sort of thinking about now again is the, like the chapter um, system for like the way that these episodes are numbered. And to me, like, I think we've always guessed that at some point, like, these chapters are going to be, like, in the book of, you know, the cockroaches or whatever. Like, the, the, this is going to be kind of a... It's not going to... Well, oh, 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 right. I mean, there isn't... There aren't any chapters that are actually called the book of Eleanor or anything like that. They've named the episodes up through the end of the show at this point. Right, but I just mean, like, in the abstract, I could imagine, like, the whole thing being, like, you know, to Jason's point, like, this new system that we've come up with, we've already tested it, and it has worked on us, and I could kind of see the way the way in, like, Book of Mormon, they, like, sort of create this new mythology, right? Like, I could, I could almost see... I meant the show, the Book of Mormon, not the actual Book of Mormon. Sorry. Right. Um, yes. I mean, that's also um, they also do come up with a new mythology in the regular Book of Mormon. Sure, too. that's but yes, yeah. the musical, the Book of Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I could almost see this being like, you know, the sort of book of you know the restorative justice afterlife, whatever they want to call it, where you can see kind of like here's every chapter that's proof of like you know this system works and like this is why we've you know these are the you know for lack of a better word like apostles or like wise men and women who led us to this this version of the afterlife you know they kind of be so mythical figures yeah like doug yeah yeah it's gonna be i i really wonder what's gonna happen to doug in this version of the afterlife maybe he's gonna like cut loose a little bit God, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'll just, I'll, because we're talking about their afterlife plan, I'll, I'll go down to a vulture review, which I flagged specifically for us because it feels like it was written specifically for us. The vulture article says, you know, I'll I'll paraphrase at the beginning, you know, the, the person says it feels a little rushed, you know, almost as if the writers themselves are like, oh, we got to finish this up. Right. Which but I don't, he's a, I just want to get on the record that like, no, <laughs> that, yeah. they they planned the whole season out ahead of time. This was not like a, they wrote half the season and then had to figure out how to time the rest of the season. The entire season was extremely planned out in a, one big but, chunk. So but no. he says, uh, quote, they're going to lean hard into it, even though the new afterlife plan Sounds a little like a warmed over hash of Albert Brooks's movie Defending Your Life mixed with traditional (laughs) Eastern religious notions of reincarnations mixed with the experimental version of The Neighborhood from the earlier this season. We did Defending Your Life on this podcast and I It's been over a year now, I think. I hated it. So uh, 
I, I saw that and I like laughed out loud. I was like, oh no, this movie is following me around. Oh God. Oh, you know why? I, I, I just thought of that movie today, funny enough, because I was thinking of a, a couple that I know at work. And I was thinking to myself, wow, he's really punching above his weight. And then I was like, when was the last time I heard? Oh, right. Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep. <laughs> the goddess Luminous Meryl goddess Streep. Meryl Streep. I don't know that we well, need I to rehash saw... defending your life. No, no. But... No. I mean, just go listen to that episode uh, if you haven't already. <laughs> but it is kind of that same you. In, it's in true that it's a life. very similar scheme. Except that in yeah. defending your life, you actually have to relive a real life. So I think the, the the thing about this afterlife, after afterlife thing, after afterlife, is that you are no longer subject to the constraints of your life, right? I mean, again, I mean, we're, a lot of this is going to be stuff that we have discussed many times before. So yeah. uh, everybody stay tuned for the exclusive content from the director of the episode to keep your interest. But like... Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we've said before that a lot of the problems from living on Earth are, are you know, ca- capitalism. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yep. if you if you are in an afterlife where it's a post-scarcity afterlife, like, when all of those things are magicked away from you, then, like, your true character has the ability to expose itself, for better or worse. Hopefully for better. And so in, instead of sending someone back to live, I mean, oh boy, we're actually talking about defending your life now. We, in defending your life, they go to the past lives pavilion and we see this like super oh, racist God. thing of Albert Brooks being like a tribal person running from like a tiger or something, I right? I can't believe we we're talking about this movie again, but it's relevant. <laughs> it's relevant. I'm sorry. You know, and obviously when he was alive on Earth, he he was a sort of an attorney and and a divorced man, and so obviously money play and and he died because of a CD player, which was really expensive. Like, you know, for him to get sent back to Earth over and over again, you know, he kept having to experience the real constraints of living as a human, whether it was sort of just the very like bone deep need to survive of like a pre-industrialized society or the more sort of first world problems of having anxiety and getting divorced and stuff like that. And it's just like in an afterlife, you just, you, you are free of those constraints. And so you can kind of act the way that you want to act without worrying about how you're going to, you know, put food on the table. And I think I agree. And I think importantly, too, you know, Sean says, like, well, what are all my demons going to do? You know, like, what are we going to do with all our penis flatteners or whatever? And, (laughs) you know, they say, like, your demons will be uh, characters in the neighborhoods, like in in the they're not simulations, but like characters in all of these people's like afterlife tests and journeys that they go through. But I think it's it's kind of noteworthy that like the demons are also getting a chance to like not in there's no violence in this version new version of the afterlife it sounds like hopefully yeah right so you're not i mean 
I, I think all the violence that we've heard tell of is, is pretty cartoon-level violence, you know, like spiders and... Because it's a comedy, yeah. Right, diapers, scorpions, and stuff. Um, but, like, you know, I, I think we had talked about there are, are um, you know, demons like Glenn who seem pretty mild-mannered and over time having seen the fact that, like, these... You know, and Michael too was was uh, you know one of the worst demons, and then decided to go on this different path and had an incredible transformation over the time that we've known him. Like, I, you know, I think we've had this conversation before, but I think it would be interesting to also not only look at it as this is an afterlife where humans get to kind of like get better and reform themselves without. Uh, kind of the constraints of capitalism, but also that like demons may also get like improve and reform in their own ways because they're not surrounded by violence, inflicting violence on people. They're not right. inflicting violence on people. We know is something that warps the mind of at least of humans. Right. I mean, you look at the, like the Stanford prison experiment, yeah. normal people put in a situation where they have to be brutal prison guards, I mean, become brutal people. And they're just yeah. normal folks that got, you know, that volunteered for this. Like, the certainly the demons, I don't think that the demons necessarily are inherently anything. I think they're just eternal beings who got created and assigned to the job of torture. And when that's right. your job, you become you know, whatever Kristen Bell's husband's character is in that episode. Trent, What's, right? Or yes. D- Dax Shepard? No, I forget. Tr- Dax Shepard, I don't remember what his character's name is. I think Trent is the one that Chidi is impersonating. But, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, you become those bros who are basically sociopaths. I, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you started out that way. Yeah, I mean, this is actually, I haven't mentioned Supernatural in a long time, so please forgive me, but... <laughs> This is a plot point in, I think, like, season four of Supernatural. So for those of you who have listened to me talk about this show uh, time and time again, the two brothers end up on opposite sides. You know, the the main arc of the first five seasons of the show is that the two brothers end up on opposite sides of a war between heaven and hell. And the Wait, war... remind me again which one the one the one that I think is hot. Which, which side is he on? He's on the side of the angels. <laughs> All right, that's my boy. Yeah, but, but, but he accidentally kickstarts the apocalypse. Weren't because it happens, the, it happens to the hottest of us. <laughs> because he made a deal with a demon, and he gets sent to hell, and eventually he is brought back out of hell, and what we find out is that like part of the prophecy for like kickstarting the apocalypse was basically that like a man who is a decent man, like a, a pure of heart person. Um, it has to like, uh, be the one responsible for opening the door for the apocalypse. And they do that by basically turning him. He is tortured and tortured every day for like, you know, time moves differently in the afterlife, also in Supernatural. So for, like, decades and decades, he's tortured every single day. And they offer oh, to him... Oh, not every- my hot boy! Come on! Hot boy. 
And they offer, the demons offer him every day, we'll stop torturing you if you start torturing other people. And every day he says no, and every day he says no, and then finally he just can't take it anymore. And he says yes, and he starts torturing other humans. And so mm. when he comes out... This sounds when like a he sad is, show. I don't like this. It's very... It's, it is sad. I think it gets goofier in later seasons, but the first five seasons are, like, very self-serious. There are there are a few jokes in jokes. It's it's pretty self-aware, but they have some definitely some serious moments. And when he is brought back out of hell, um, he's brought back out of hell by an angel. And when he's brought back out of hell again, he is, like, definitely not himself. And his brother keeps on asking him, like, what what's going on? Like, why won't you talk to me? And he finally admits, like, I thought I was this, like, upstanding guy who would never do something like that. And after, like, decades and decades, like, I finally cracked. And so it's like, you know, this is a guy who, you know, never thought himself capable of inflicting violence on other human beings at that level. And is just you know, having been put through this and it, it does as your to your point, like it warps your sensibilities and it puts you in a position of feeling like, you know, I have to get in line and do this or I'm, you know, this pain is just unimaginable otherwise. Like an eternity well, of I this. Suspect, I suspect that the demons who were created or the, the beings who were created to act as demons, I suspect that if they refused to do their job, they were just sort of vaporized. Right. That's probably like, true. That if you said like, actually this seems like kind of a bum rap, they're like, all right. And they just kind of whisk you out of existence and they create a new one. Right. Because what's right. it to them? Right. Like, they right. just, there's, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any resource problems here. Although I have to admit, one of the things that makes this plan a little bit shady for me is like, we saw Chris the mailman and how good he is at acting, which is not good. <laughs> at the slightest provocation, he will punch somebody in the face and fly away. So it doesn't seem plausible to me that all of the demons are retrainable as actors in uh, these afterlife <laughs> tests. This is some real, like, global economy questions of, like, reskilling <laughs> workers. <laughs> Seriously, and like though. outsourcing <laughs> your outsourcing your jobs, yeah. I mean, I wonder though for care for people like or for demons like that, for af- people in the afterlife like that, you know, if they would just sort of have bit parts, like you know, if if somebody, I I, I think part of the reason why he had such a hard time was because he was sent in there like kind of under false pretenses and just like didn't really Mm. understand. And also like he had another job that he wanted to do. He was in the twisting department, right? So maybe he would act differently if there's this sort of restructure and you say, okay, the twisting department doesn't exist anymore. So we've got to find something else for you to do. Like, I don't know. Maybe he works at a gym in somebody's... (laughs) in somebody's afterlife <laughs> test. I just hope they can find a job for poor Chris the mailman. What did he ever do wrong <laughs> except twist people? And have great abs. Great abs. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I really... Uh, the AV Club uh, also talks about the this version of the afterlife. And they say the moral system of the universe remained beholden to a rigid points tally system... Uh, a binary whose supposed rationality is actually all about bureaucratic expedience, 
we know from four, four seasons worth of experience, redemption is possible, and that just throwing people away because they're not reaching some arbitrary standard isn't justice, but glib cruelty masquerading as justice. Well really stated, liked. AV Club. Yeah, well stated. they've got great reviews. Can we talk about Timothy Oliphant now? <laughs> if you want, sure. I mean, I don't have any feelings about the guy. I don't either. I've never watched Justified. No, me uh, either. Or Deadwood. Or any of his stuff. Or Santa no. Clarita Diet or any of his stuff. Oh, he is on that, isn't he? I can't stand that show because I don't like the zombie situation. The, uh, you, know. you know how I feel um, about zombies. It's I know. Not, it's not a good feeling. But I had, I, I think I just wanted to say that, like, I had had this notion of, like, oh, there's a reason that they picked Timothy Oliphant because he was on Justified, and that's about this sort of like twisted version of justice where this guy who's a U.S. <laughs> marshal like goes into this town and he exacts justice the way he thinks it should be, and he's got like a lot of problems with like you know it, it sort of talks about. I don't like, know the plot of Justified, so like I, I, so no, I read no up on it. No inferences were drawn by me. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, I read up on it, and like it, it's he plays a U.S. marshal who is, like, very violent and, you know, goes after these crime families in the South and it's, like, all about, like, drug running. And it seems very upsetting, to quote our mom. Uh, Very upsetting. But I was like, oh, they must have picked this because it's all about this, like, version of justice that is kind of perverted. Like, I, I, that must have been why they picked him. No, they picked him because, as you said, Michael Schur is a fan of his and kind of knows him casually. And And kind of has a giant man crush on him, I would say. (laughs) And he said, we thought about all the people that Judge Jen had mentioned, but I know Tim Oliphant a little bit, and I had a pretty good feeling that he would do it. I called him and I said to him, do you know this show at all? Because if you don't, it's going to take a really long time to explain what the hell you're about to do. Turns out he watches with his kids. So I explained what the cameo was, and he said, oh, that sounds great. I'm in. (laughs) And I was like, I love that I, I love that I had this whole like justification in my head for like, oh, this is what an interesting commentary on like the way we look at justice in pop culture. And it's so much about like the guns and, you know, like one man is the arbiter of everything, but we see that that's not really the right way to do it and da da da. No, it's just because they like knew each other. <laughs> and then I thought this other, this like other little detail was very cute that, so they had not by the time they cast Tim Oliphant, they had not yet filmed any filmed. scenes with Maya Rudolph. Right, because she was unavailable. And, and so once they knew they had him, they just laced in a lot of jokes for her that mention all of his shows. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like binging Dead, Deadwood, Deadwood and, and yeah. all yeah. that kind of, kind of stuff. And so they just like laid this track that Jen is like super into Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> and then they got him for the show. <laughs> What a charming... He must be such a charming guy in real life. He seems like a real force of nature, doesn't he? You know who else is in Justified? Justified. No, I have no idea. Walton Goggins, who was the... Oh, Walton Goggins! I know no, I know exactly who Walton Goggins is. Don't insult yeah, my intelligence. Yeah, he was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> yes, he was. Inexplicably. In yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Couldn't make heads or tails with what he was doing there or what his accent was, if my memory serves. No. Definitely not. Just a random evil southern guy. It's fine. So TV Fanatic talks about sort of like where they go from here and actually... So what we haven't really talked about is how they construct 
this version of the afterlife, like all the details, like, you know, Chidi says, oh, I'm just the ideas man. Don't look at me, which means that they, they're going to work out a lot of kinks, right? They got to work out a lot of specific things. And TV fanatic got into that a little bit. And they said, um, if a person, you know, just throwing out kind of spitballing, you know, if a person learns from each reboot they experience, when do the reboots stop? How many chances do they get? Uh, someone might require one reboot and someone else might require 100. What's the limit? Like all these sorts. Do you it have any seems questions? Like it's, you, I just think it, you're, it's going to be infinite. Mm-hmm. And if what ends up happening to you is that you are stuck trying to learn and never being able to learn because you are fundamentally a bad seed, then like, fine. You're in limbo forever. That's fine. Right? Because... yeah. Being in limbo means that you are not in the good place. You're not being rewarded. You're also not being tortured, which is not a proportionate response. And you're kind of, and you're unable to enact any sort of, evil is overstating it maybe, but any sort of badness on other humans, right? The way sort of irreparable harm. Right. The way that Brent, was it Brent? Mm-hmm. Uh, was sort of like micro aggressing on uh, Simone. Like y- you're not, you're you can't do that, <laughs> right? Like if you are in your own little pocket universe where you're just keep rebooting, trying to learn something, and you're separated from all the other humans, then at least the worst you can do is give a bunch of demons, you know, Ajita. <laughs> About <laughs> how you're kind of a boring assignment. I, and I assume, like, when they reboot, if the demons are like, I'm sick of this guy. I want to go, you know, go be with some first-timer who's probably just going to make it through the first time. Like, then that's fine, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. going to be movement in between the different sort of scenes and scenarios. So, Well, that's a, that's a question, though. Like, I think I have a lot of questions about, how, like, the mechanics of it. But I just don't know how deep the show is going to get into those mechanics. Well, I don't know if how far into it they're going to get. I don't know that they have to. I think it's going to be really good to kind of more effective than like getting into the real nitty gritty is I think going to be like, let's maybe show Simone's like own little reboot. Let's show John's own little reboot or Brent's or like, (laughs) you know, even... um, Jamila Jamil's parents reboot, right? Like, oh yeah, oh my gosh! Rescue some of the people who we know are dead and have been tortured. Hopefully, all the humans who are in the bad place can have their minds completely wiped, so that they like there is no effect of the lung torture on them. Hopefully, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you know, let's see. I mean, who else do we know is dead in this world? That's I mean, connected to our heroes. Oh, I was going to say like literally everybody, but like, no, you know, no, like Eleanor's dad, Tahani's parents, Jason's mom. Oh, that one makes me sad. I know. But yeah. But, but if you could show her kind of like, waking up and being like oh where am i and it's like well you know you're in the the testing place and you know we're gonna sort of see you know what you need to do if you need to learn more in this life or if you can go on to the next life you know like that's actually kind of hers would be hilarious actually because hers would be 
Wasn't one of the stories about her that she robbed a pet store where she worked? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, like, could you imagine, like, her first reboot, she's, like, robbing a pet store, and then, like, But, like, you know. she's not. Th- that's the thing. She's not in the situation anymore where she has to, like, put food on the table for baby Jason, right? Oh, my God, you're and so there's, right. You're and so there's right. No, and there's no drugs, which I also kind of assume was a factor in a lot of the people in Jason's life, right? C- certainly, Pillboy's name is Pillboy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, like, if Jason's mom in an idealized environment, like, let's see what goes on. You know, and maybe Jason can kind of peek in on her once in a while. I mean, I assume the cockroaches at this point just get a freaking pass, for God's sake. Like, they just get, they get the golden tickets. They get to, they should actually, they should have administrative privileges, okay? (laughs) You get to... Look in on everybody. You basically get Janet Powers or something close to Janet Powers or something. Yeah. Like, just let yeah. them be. Like, and if what they want to do is retire and, and live on a lake with their soulmate, Chelinor, then, like, just let them be. Gosh, I'm just having, like, a flash in my head of, like, Jason's mom you know, like living in one of her reboots. And then like Jason comes in as like a grown man, which she never got to see because she died when he oh, was quite God. young. Oh God. Oh, Brianna, Jason, there's a knife in my heart. Jason coming in as like, you know, this, this mature grown, not, I mean, not quite mature, but like more mature than we've ever <laughs> seen him. Like grown man with a, with a, a significant other who loves him. And like the two, you know, just like with Jason Janet? introducing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jason introducing Janet to his mom. Like, that's the content that I'm here for at this point. It's just like, I think we're close enough to the end where I'm starting to imagine, like, everybody's sort of happy, hopefully happy ending. Um, but that would it's be... Like, it. It's but, like a great... It's like a, it's like a, it's like a great fantasy series, like the epilogue on a great fantasy series where you just, series where you just get to see, like, all the protagonists, you know, like, and, yeah. th- and you know, in this one, you know opened a little hat shop and then that one you know got married to his childhood sweetheart and that one went into the west right i mean it's like it's it's just but i think you're totally right about jason's mom is and like jason's whole family and i mean we've talked about this a hundred times before but like you're right that she wouldn't have to rob anybody because the minute she wakes up and they're like so there's no money here and you have a place to live and you have all the food you want all the time and you don't need to pay for... She died of cancer, right? Like, you don't need to pay for your medications. Yes. Uh, you don't have cancer anymore. Like, yeah. all of these things, I think, would... You know, you don't have to worry about health insurance. You don't have to worry about your electric bill. You don't have to worry about supporting a child. Like, I think you're right. She would get to kind of be a different kind of person than she was on earth the way that Jason got to be. And, and I would love to see even just like a split second of him and his mom, like hugging, you know, that would be so sweet. Yeah. Hashtag team Jason's mom for the finale. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into our exclusive content. Exclusive content. Burr, burr, burr. We also have some Twitter DMS that I was supposed to remind you about. Yes. So let me do the DMS first. Okay. So we had a fan named Casey Jean, and she wrote a very nice note on Twitter in, in, my, in our DMs. 
Uh, your Rise of Skywalker episode was the best audio review I've heard, which is very sweet. A mess cool. of a movie, but I was entertained through the whole thing. I also believe the thing that's kept me fixated on this whole trilogy is the Kylo Ray relationship, which I, I certainly agree with for the second two movies. The first movie, I wouldn't say that was true for me personally, but the second two movies, it's like, yeah, those two. <laughs> More yeah. of that, please. Hooray for redeemed casual sweater Ben Solo, which I have to admit, I read it the first time and I was like, He's sweating in a casual... Oh, she means the black sweater that... Oh, my girlfriend got this for me. Space Gap. Space Gap Space sweater Ben Solo. Uh, I was so pissed at some eight-year-old girls sitting next to me at my second viewing because not only did they talk through the whole thing, but they just had to let the audience know they were grossed out by the kiss. Wow, that's real mature. I mean, they are eight, though. Also, what are they doing at a movie unsupervised? Who? I would that's not just, take an eight-year-old to see that movie. No, I have a seven-year-old, and I, I don't think he's gonna be ready for this for another like ten years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like anyway. on your eighteenth birthday, you can finally watch Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> anyway, great podcast. I've been a listener for about a year. By the way, I think you need to do a marriage story episode. <laughs> I just DM'd her back like Noah Bombbox a marriage story. <laughs> marriage story is rough, from what I've heard. So. Woof. We got a, a little message from, from a fan, Jenna Treadwell, who said we should watch Russian Doll on Netflix, which I'm not sure that's in my sort of bailiwick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I tried watching it a while ago, but I kind of want to give it another shot. You know, it is a little bit like, oh, this protagonist is a hot mess. But I actually think, now that I think about it more... That is a series where she starts out as a hot mess and she dies ev- like, and gets rebooted and has to go through the same night over and over again and learn Ugh. from her mistakes. So hmm. maybe we should is check it, it out. Is it supernatural or is it sci-fi or like what? I think it's sort of sort of speculative fiction-y in a way. Like it's not, it's set in New York. It's not set in like, you know... Blade Runner times or anything. It's by the way, sort of... by the way, Blade Runner times are now in the past. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh why? <laughs> but it's it's so I I don't think it's sci-fi. You know, she's a. I think the conceit is she's a video game designer, and so the idea is like she almost becomes a character in a video game of her own life but it feel but it's like real and she gets oh, to interesting. kind of learn from her mistakes um I'll and make consider it. I'm not I'm not making any promises. Okay. So here is our exclusive content. Mar-mar-mar. So I I live tweet I li- <laughs> thank you. I live tweet every episode and at the end of live tweeting last night's episode I tweeted out my husband has a conspiracy theory that director RA0 that's her Twitter handle told Manny Jacinto to futz around with the clicker unscripted and caught the honest horror of the cast. And she actually replied, which I was stunned by, because nobody from The Good Place ever pays attention to anything that we do. I Right? Or Ted Danson liked Darcy one Carton. of our tweets one time. Right? Oh, yeah. And we died. That's right. We're ghosts. Yeah. Now I forgot. So she replied, her name is Rebecca Asher. She directed last night's episode and she replied to say, she has a little smiley face and it says, it was scripted. During one take, Manny, it's actually Jacinto, right? During one take, Mm -hmm. Manny Jacinto dropped it 
It broke in half. The cast reacted as if the world was about to reset. A great blooper moment. Someone ran. Jamila Jamil just lay down in a panic. I think <laughs> William Jackson Harper ran in circles. It took all of us a while to recover. Ah, that's amazing. So great. I should retweet this. I did not do that. I should retweet this. I will do that now. Hey, Rebecca, Asher, can we get you on the pod? You want to come on the pod with us? <laughs> I mean, if I were braver, I would just tweet at her, be like, hey, come on the podcast and um, share your story. But do mm. it, do it, do mm. it, do it. It's our mm. final. We also have a stretch. We also have an email. We also have an email from someone, you know, enticing us to monetize our podcast, which I can say with 100% certainty we will never do. <laughs> I'm not doing ad reads. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you all to buy a casper mattress it's not happening no no, no. this we did have that one joke about <laughs> we did have that one joke about casper mattresses in the um thor ragnarok episode that was pretty good <laughs> but that was just <laughs> oh, a joke a great, that was your joke that was amazing the most i could ever see us doing would be like hey if you'd like to give us a dollar a month to cover <laughs> our like site hosting fees like i wouldn't say no to that but uh, we have no plans to do that, and we are for sure a hundred percent not going to do ads. That would be crazy. No. I also have no idea who would want to advertise with us. Like that's what I was going to say. Ron, like, Ron Swanson safes. Like who? <laughs> Maybe the CW, since I talk about supernatural all the time. <laughs> Lordy. So next week. Next week is called. Mondays, am I right? <laughs> I, who, what even? <laughs> uh, they are deliberately forking with us. They are picking the most esoteric titles just to make sure that nobody has any idea what's happening. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> Until next time. Hey, you want to get out of here? <laughs> yes, I do. We will see you next time, ding dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, next week. Title? Sorry, what's damn it? I sort of looked that up. Hold on. Good place. <laughs> Is that the voice? <laughs>